I think there's more of them than us that today we're being overtaken. We're going to continue our, our study of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, as I like to call it. So Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 14 today. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14, to remind you where we're at. The Holy Spirit has come, and he's come in great signs. And, and so um, Peter stands up at the end of where we left off last week. Peter stands up and gives this amazing sermon. Now, I, I, I have to tell you that we're going to break this sermon up into several Sundays, because otherwise we'd be here all day. This, this, this is a pretty amazing sermon. And there is so much Old Testament prophecy and fulfillment and, and vi- uh, imagery in, in what Peter has to say here when he stands up. Entire books have been written just on the use of the Old Testament prophecy in this sermon. So that it, it's an incredibly important sermon that Peter gives here. So again, remember where we are. The Holy Spirit's come, and he's come in power. He's come with with signs, the, the, the tongues like flame, them speaking in languages so everybody there could understand the, uh, the, the, the sound of the rushing wind. He's come in this amazing way. And now Peter stands up. And so let's pick up in verse 14. It is up here behind me. Verse 14 of Acts chapter 2. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. I, I wonder if I should start sermons this way. You know? Listen up and pay attention. I got something important to say. For these people are not drunk. Pardon? <laughs> For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet. Joel, and it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. Before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he he begins, well, first let's talk about the context of this, because we got to remember who says all this, right? You remember who Peter is, right? He's the guy that when Jesus asked, he said, "You're you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then right after that, Jesus has to say, get, be, get thee behind me, Satan, because Peter says, well, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. So he gets in the way of what Jesus is here to do. Peter is the guy that's brash and bold, always out front, lopping off ears, and, 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 and he, he, this is Peter. And then Peter denies Jesus three times. Remember, the crowd comes in, Jesus is arrested, and, and, and suddenly being a follower of Jesus is costly. And so, what does Peter do? I don't know who he is. He denies him three times. This is the guy that's giving this sermon. That's the guy. 
Now, Jesus restores Peter. He, if you remember, Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and Peter is restored to Jesus. But we can't forget who says this. Because, let's be honest, if we were to look at Peter, we would not let him speak in church. He denied Jesus three times. Everybody knows it. We would not let this guy speak in church. We have a different set of qualifications than God does. Because God is going to use Peter right here to save 3,000 souls. We have just a, a different set of qualifications, don't we? Different expectations of people. Something to keep in mind. So then Peter gets up and he preaches. And the first thing he does is he corrects a misconception. He says, uh, you know, some of the crowd are saying, oh, they're, they're drunk with wine. And Peter gets up and says, no, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, it's 9 o'clock in the morning on Pentecost Day. So, first of all, 9 o'clock in the morning was the, the, the prayer hour for traditional Jews. They didn't eat or drink anything until after this, after the prayer time. Secondly, it's Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is a celebration of the harvest at the end of it. But on the day of Pentecost, they, it's a solemn thing where they are, are, are re- celebrating the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law. So it's a solemn day followed by a party and night. That's what Pentecost is. So it's ridiculous for, for these people to think these, the, these disciples are drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. First of all, not that day. And secondly, not any day at 9 o'clock. That's, that's prayer hour. So it's, it's ridiculous what they say. Now, it is, though, interesting to, to put in with Ephesians 5, what Paul says in Ephesians 5, not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. You know, every, every cell in your body is affected by alcohol as soon as you drink it. Every cell in your body... And we have seen from the baptism of the Holy Spirit that every fiber of your being is also affected by the Holy Spirit. We are, we are literally bathed in the Holy Spirit. So it is, it is kind of an interesting thing. And I'll, and I'll say again, I like the way Peter starts here. Listen up, everybody. I got something important to say. So think that every time you come. <laughs> and I won't have to say it. So Peter begins by turning to prophecy, the prophecy of Joel. Now, Joel himself is an interesting study because we really don't know. Bible scholars really can't decide when Joel was actually written. Joel never makes any kind of reference to a king, be it king of Israel or king of any of the the surrounding area, the enemies or or neighbors of Israel. He never makes a, a statement about who was in charge. So... So we could date this. So the, uh, most scholars believe that it was written about 835 B.C. And the reason for that is uh, Joash is becoming king, but he's not yet old enough. And so Jehoiada, the, the high priest, is actually kind of running things behind the scenes until Joash is old enough. So right at this point in Israel, there is no king. And so that's why most uh, scholars set Joel, this prophecy of Joel in 835. So that means what Joel had to say here was 
800 years earlier. 800 years earlier. And he's talking about the day of the Lord. In fact, he's really the first of the prophets to bring up the day of the Lord, to coin this phrase, the day of the Lord. It's picked up by a lot of the prophets after him, but Joel is really the first one to to coin this phrase. And he says, this is what happens on the day of the Lord. And, And the day of the Lord is picked up again, even in the New Testament. So why is it important that he talks from Joel? Well, first of all, Joel is this quote that, that Peter uh, uses is from Joel 2, 28 to 32. You should read it. It's, about, it. it's about what happens, actually, right after a locust plague hits all of Israel and wipes, it, wipes out all their crops. And so Joel is calling the people back to repentance so that the day of the Lord can come. So you have this, you, you have this set in place judgment repentance, salvation, and spirit. You have this set up right here in Joel, right here in this quote. Right after this this great judgment on on Israel of the locusts, you have this this can happen. If you repent, this can happen. So we have judgment, repentance, salvation, and the the Holy Spirit, the the Spirit of the Lord coming. So it's important because of the, the order of things here. And then Jewish theologians and rabbis have consistently said this quote from Joel, this is for the time of the Messiah. They all knew that the Messiah was coming. That's clear all through the Old Testament. But the rabbis and, and, and theologians of the time said this, this is the Messiah. So what is Peter saying in quoting this? The Messiah has come. The Messiah is here. And that's important for the rest of the sermon because in the rest of the sermon, he's going to say, Jesus is that Messiah and you crucified him. So it's, it's incredibly important for what, what Peter is going to go on and say. And then lastly, all of the rabbis at the time, at the time of Jesus, had, they believed that, that God had removed this, his spirit from Israel. He'd removed his spirit because of Israel's there, there was no repentance in Israel, their hardness of heart. And so God had removed the spirit from Israel, and now the spirit's come. Now they have seen it come. They have witnessed this. So Peter begins with this quote because every Jew there would have understood. Every Jewish believer would have understood. It's the time of the Messiah. It's the Spirit of the Lord has come back. Every, everyone there in Jerusalem would have understood this connection. So it, it's, it's really critical that Peter starts out with this. And then he talks about in the last days. Now, we talk about that a lot, don't we? In the last days. Are we in the last days? Absolutely. We absolutely are. Because the last days biblically start... Right here, Peter says so. They start with the ascension of Jesus, the Holy Spirit coming. These are the last days. This prophecy of Joel is happening right in front of their eyes. And so these are the last days. So the last days begin right here. And they end at the second coming of Christ. We are in the last days. 
I'm hopeful <laughs> that we are in the last days because I don't think we can continue much longer on the path we're on. So, again, think about this. This is 800 years earlier. Joel says this, and these folks who are gathered here have seen it happen. They have seen the sons and the daughters, the men and the women, the old and the young, the rich and the poor. They have seen everybody receive the Holy Spirit. Everyone there, every believer there. I said last week, and I'll, I'll reiterate this week, no one has more Holy Spirit than you do. No one. It comes upon all of them equally. All believers in Christ have the Holy Spirit. And, and, he, and it comes, the Holy Spirit comes in power on everybody there. So let's talk about the signs of Joel here. Because he, there's multiple signs that are talked about here. Blood, fire, smoke, the, the sun turning dark. All, all at the day of the Lord, right? Some of these sound familiar, don't they? When did it turn dark? When Jesus was crucified. Remember, Luke 23 says it's about, it was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three because the sun's light failed. At the crucifixion of Jesus, the sun went dark. We have right here in this we have the, the, the power, the, the rushing wind. We have the flames. We have so much of Joel's prophecy ha has happened literally right in front of their eyes this day. So many of these signs. And I think as we look at these signs, there's a couple of things that, that, uh, that we need to think about. First of all, these signs were prophesied 800 years before this day. So does God have a plan? <laughs> Absolutely. He has a plan. And he keeps his promises. And I think the second thing we need to, to realize as we look at these is that some of these are partially fulfilled, not completely fulfilled. For instance, the, the, the moon turning to blood, that's in Revelation 6. So we, we literally are not only in the last days, we are between the partial fulfillment and the complete fulfillment of this promise. We are in the last day. And then the greatest prophecy, the greatest promise of Joel is verse 21. Verse 21. Then everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This day has come. Jesus has opened this door. He has become the way of salvation. He is, he, this is now. This is today. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wait, does that mean those folks that aren't like us? Yes. Does that mean even the people that, that have a whole lot of sin in their life? Yes. Does that mean the really religious? Yes. Everyone... No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says it right here. It's a promise that has come true. It's a promise that, that, that has been fulfilled. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
and will receive the Holy Spirit that is that, that, that Joel said that would be poured out on all people, that Holy Spirit, everyone. So I, I, uh, I always lead you to what's the comfort and the challenge of this passage because I believe every passage has both. And so let's think about the, the comforts. First of all, we don't decide whether we're qualified for God to use us. God does that. God will use you no matter what you've done. God will use you no matter who you are. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so Peter, this guy, who has done so much wrong, we have, we have his whole story through the Gospels of everything he did wrong, every time he messed up, that's the guy that preaches a sermon that brings 3,000 people to the Lord. That guy. God will use you. Secondly, God has a plan, and he keeps his promises. Ah, this, this prophecy of Joel is 800 years old, and they see so much of it happen all in one day. In one day. God will complete his plan. God will keep his promises. The, the next one, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It does not matter what, what's in your past. It doesn't matter whether your past is 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago. It does not matter. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And every believer will receive the Holy Spirit, man, woman, children, old, young, rich, poor, everyone will receive the Holy Spirit. I think it's also a comfort that we are living in, in, in this place right now where we are between the, the, the partial and, and complete fulfillment of these promises. We know that everyone who comes to the Lord will be saved. We know the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We know the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We know so much of, of, of what has, what Joel said would happen, we know now. And yet, we can see that there's more to come. So I think it's, a, it, it, it's incredibly comforting to know where we live in time. So what's the challenge? Living in this power. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. There is absolutely no reason for a Christian to live a powerless life. No reason at all. Because you received as much Holy Spirit as everyone did. You can live in that power. You can be empowered for your life today. And, I, and, and it's really as simple as following kind of the order of things that Joel sets out. Judgment, repentance, salvation, Holy Spirit. That, that, that's literally how Joel lays it out. That's how it's laid out for us in Acts. Judgment on sin. Repentance from sin. Salvation. And the Holy Spirit come. Pour up my spirit upon them. That's the, that's the process that we see. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads.
Because there's no more important question to be asked today. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Because you can right now. We think first of judgment. I know I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I also know and trust that Jesus took the judgment for my sin. And so I turn from my sin. I repent. I turn from my sin and turn to God. I accept the sacrifice of Jesus for my salvation. And I receive the power to live. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Maybe this morning you're just, you, you know Christ, but you realize you are living a powerless life. Will you today commit between you and God to live in his power, not yours? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the promises that we see here, that we have seen in our own lives even. Let us not forget that your spirit has been poured out on us, that we are to live in that power. Let us not forget that everyone we know, everyone we see who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.